Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. Hey, we are in a series, uh, we're starting a series today called I Am. And the reason why we're talking about this, these two words, I am, is because they were the words that were first spoken by God in Exodus chapter 3. And then in the Gospel of John, Jesus says seven different statements about himself, and they all begin with the word I am. And so what we're going to be doing between now and actually Easter is we're going to be looking at some of these statements that Jesus said, like, I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection. And we're going to see really what this means to us and what it really means and how it reveals who God is. Because that's the important thing. So you have to understand why are we doing this series is because God's intent was never for your perception of him or your view of him to be formed by circumstances and situations or by what you see in the world. That's not how God intended. Well, you look around and go, okay, because this is happening or not happening in our world, that means God must be like this. Or because this has happened to me or not happened to me, that means God must be like this. No, see, God self-defines. And you go throughout all scripture, God does not leave it abstract. He's very clear about who he is, his character, what he likes, what he doesn't like. And so part of a relationship with Jesus is learning about who God is. And so while we want to do this series is because we want you to continue to grow in your personal knowledge of who God is. I think another reason why we're doing this series is because I I believe at some point, whether you're wrestling with it now or you have in the past, I think we've all wondered, what is God like? Who is he? What's he look like? What is his character? How would God respond to me? I think it's something that really instinctually is something in a man's heart and soul. A couple of weeks ago, my, uh, my youngest, one of my twin girls, Sienna, she came to me and she brought me this picture. And as she does with most pictures where my kids get their arts and crafts on, they come with their fingers completely covered in marker, you know, and it's like, my God, did I even get on the paper? And uh, thank you, Jesus, for washable markers. But she brought me a, a picture and, and I brought it with me uh, and I'm, we're going to show it to you really quick. This is what she, she brought me. And uh, so uh, I was like, oh, uh, what is his, who, who is it? What? what do we got here? Uh, and uh, she said, oh, that's God. I said, that's God. She goes, yeah, that's God. And I was like, man, way to go, dad. I got my daughter drawing pictures of God. I am incredible. I said, that's God, huh? All right. Well, I can see it. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And so here's why I'm showing you this picture. Because I even think at a young age, it's like instinctual to want to know what God looks like. Like, oh, this must be God. What does God look? I think I'm going I'm to draw him, right? I, I want to know what he is like. And just so you don't think, and I don't want you to make you feel like you're a horrible parent because, you know, Mike's kids are drawing pictures of God and your kids drawn. Uh, my son Ford drew a picture the other day, and I thought I would just show this one to you too. This is more to make you feel better. <laughs> That's a one-eyed monster named Timothy. And uh, he said he's smiling. That's what he said when he gave it to me. So... My daughter's drawing God, my Ford's drawing monsters, so pray for Ford, y'all. God, he's, he's knocking at the heart of his door, man. Someday he's going to let him in. Nothing to do about the message, just want you as parents to feel better. You don't have it all together. Sometimes we win and sometimes we lose, you know, this is what it is. But I think it's true. What is God like? What's he look like? It means a lot, actually. 
Because when I begin to understand who God is like, uh, I begin to understand who I am. My identity is connected with who I know God to be. And so what we want to do in this series is, is through the words of Jesus, we want to learn who God is and, and, what, and as a result who we are and really what we need and how what we need can be found in him. And so before we get to one of the phrases that we're going to look at Jesus, I want to just take a moment to talk a little bit more about this word I am, where it comes from, because it has a lot of significance. And, and so before we can talk about I am this, we have to see where it comes. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. At our church, we bring two things to Sunday mornings. We bring our Bibles and we bring a friend. And so I want to encourage you to bring it out. Uh, it's a pretty easy book to find. Go all the way to the left of your Bible. Uh, and it's the second book. So Genesis, Exodus, if you're newer to your Bible reading, there's always two numbers separated by a colon. The first number is your chapter. The second number is your verse. And so we are here in Exodus chapter three. No judgment if you've got a roll to the table of contents to find where we're going. Come on, somebody. There are no gold stars to know where every book of the Bible is. You tell me to turn to Zephaniah, I'm going to the table of contents and finding it. Come on, here we go. Exodus chapter three. And what we're going to see, quick backstory, God is going to speak and have this interaction that we're going to jump into with this guy named Moses. And what's happening is God's people, the Israelites, have been in slavery to a group of people named the Egyptians for over 400 years. God's about to use this man, Moses, to free them and lead them out of this slavery and into a new life. And so what we're going to jump into is where God begins to lay out this, uh, this call on Moses. So Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 9. God speaking here, he says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Moses' response to this incredible call of God is, who am I? My man's having an identity crisis. But faced with what is next or what is coming up, he doesn't know who he is. And I think for some of us, sometimes where we can struggle is we are lacking in our understanding and identity of who we are. Maybe you have, because of something that has happened in your life, a loss, an end of something, maybe you're, you're struggling with, well, who am I? You know, some of you young 20-year-olds, you're walking into what sociologists call the quarter-life crisis, which is like you, you all of a sudden, you're out of high school, you're starting into college, you thought you knew what you wanted to do, and all of a sudden, you're kind of getting messed up a little bit, and now you're like, who am I? Just like Moses, there is a lack of knowing who you are. And here's the thing, if you don't understand who God is, you'll never fully understand who you are. So this is where Moses is at right now. We've all, we're all there. This guy's been on the side of a mountain. He's a shepherd, been there for 40 years. All of a sudden, God appears to him, as we see in this account, in a bush that's burning, it's on fire, and God speaks to him and says, hey, I'm gonna call you and use you in a great way. And Moses goes, who am I? Here's God's response. But God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, then they will ask, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? There it is, Moses. Now you're asking the right question. The question is not need to be asked, who am I? The question is, God, who are you? What is your name? Because in order for me to really walk this out and fully do what you want me to do, I need to know who you are. So the question we're asking today and in this series is not who am I? The question is, God, 
who, who are you? Moses goes, you know my name. What, what's your name? God's response. He replies in verse 14, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I am. That's the name of God. Yahweh. I am. He says, you want to know my name? I'm going to tell you my name. It is I am. This is a significant moment in the history of mankind. Because up until this moment, God has been known. But God has been known by labels. God has been known by titles. This is the first time that God introduces himself by his name. This is so important to understand because God is not this abstract energy or some random thing out there that is impersonal or amoral. He, is a, he has a name and he can be known personally. So when God says, I am, he is inviting Moses and he's inviting you and me as a result to know him personally. My name is Michael. I have labels and titles. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. Right? And when I, come to, when, I, when I come to introduce myself to you, it'd be kind of weird if I went, hey, nice to meet you. My name is Daddy. <laughs> it's true. But you'd be like, <laughs> right? Because if I lead with a title, it doesn't really open up the door for like get to know me a little bit more. <laughs> but if I go to you and go, hey, my name is Michael. What's your name? It's introducing you to know me personally, right? So God says, okay, you want to know my name? I'm going to tell you my name. It is I am. You tell the people who are sending you is I am. And this name of God is so incredible because it, it, it's not a noun, actually. It's, it's a verb. God's name is not a noun. It's a verb. It's, it's tense. It's continuous and unending. It, it really, if you break it down, it, it means this. Look, I'm, I exist. Just so you're wondering, Moses, my name means that I exist. I am right now in this moment with you. I, I was before you were born, Moses, and I always will be before, after you are gone. And not only will I always will be, Moses, but I will be what you need when you need it. That's what my name means. So if you want to ask the people who want to know who sent you, you tell them I am who's always been there, who's existed, who is real, and wherever you go in your life, he will be what you need when you need it. That is who God is. That is his name. And so when Jesus makes the declaration in the Gospels of John, he goes, I am. He's saying, I am God, and I will be what you need when you need it. And so when he attaches those things to what he says I am to, you know it is what you need, and you know it is found in who God is. He's I am, the name of God. So if you will, let's go now. Okay, now that we know that, let's look at the, one of the first, second times Jesus says this phrase, I am. And he says this in the Gospel of John. You can turn there now, chapter 8. He says this, I am the light of the world. And that's what we're going to look at today. I am the light of the world. Now, before we get there, I dropped my bookmarker, which is a Peyton Manning card that my son gave me. It's what I used to, my, my Bibles. Before we get there, get there John chapter 8, okay, where, that's the fourth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's one of the accounts of Jesus' life. Before I do that, let me, let me say this. Because uh, at a moment, I, wanna, I just want to pray real quick. And here's why I want to pray. I want to acknowledge someone in the room, and that's the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit, he's part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If you grew up Catholic, he's the left, the right guy. You know what I mean? God the Father, Holy Spirit, that guy. That's him. If you wanted to know, that's who the Holy Spirit is. Some people like call him the Holy Ghost when they want to get radical. Sometimes it's called the Holy Ghost. See, but the difference here with the Holy Spirit is, is he's the guy, though, who Jesus said, hey, it's better that I leave because my father's going to send him to you. 
and he's going to teach you. He's the helper. He's the counselor. See, because what we're going to read, I believe, is so um, can shape and change your life in such a dramatic way. But it can't be because of something I said, and it can't be something that is just stays up here in your brain. Right? Because the word of God wasn't meant just to be informational. It wasn't meant just to be inspirational. It was meant to be transformational. Okay? Right? So it's not just supposed to stay up here and make me smarter, which is good. We want to learn. We want to grow. We want to get better. Right? God gave us a mind. We need to use it. And it's not just to make our souls like feel lighter and like Jack. We just look like a Red Bull on Sunday morning. We're ready to go. Right? It's not just for that. It's supposed to get in the heart because when it gets in your heart, it changes. And so what you need in order for it to get to your heart, to, from your head into your heart, is the Holy Spirit. So I have to acknowledge him because actually the way he is, he's a gentleman. He doesn't come unless he's invited. And so for me, I don't want to stand up here and just kind of use words that are eloquent or funny or maybe just, uh, you know, helps better exegetical, exegetical this phrase or this, this book of the Bible. I want the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you personally. And why Jesus said it was better that he would come is because the Holy Spirit can talk to you individually in your own life. Because this word means something to you personally. So just for a moment, can I just pray and acknowledge him? Holy Spirit, we thank you. You are here. Uh, Father, Holy Spirit, my friend, I invite you here. Lead God. Let this word come alive. Let it take root in our hearts. And may we never be the same because of what you do with the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on. Amen. Amen. Okay, here we go. John chapter 8. Here we go. Here, I love this. Starting in verse 12. Jesus says this, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am, there it is, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus stands, he's in the temple, surrounded by people, and he says this declaration about himself, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, if you are, uh, some, you are a Jewish person in the temple listening to Jesus utter these words right now, your brain is going tilt when he says that I am the light of the world. Because light is, a, is a, something that is used as a theme throughout all scripture. Throughout all, even throughout the Torah, there is light. God uses the phrase light a lot. Even in your New Testament, you will see God help us better understand things in terms of light and darkness. And, and so if you were there and Jesus said, I am the light of the world, immediately the first passage you're going to think about is Genesis chapter 1. So do me a favor, keep your finger in John or use what we've got here, this little bookmark, put that in John because we're going to get back there. But in a moment, right now, we're going to go to Genesis chapter one. It will be the easiest place you will ever find anything in the Bible because it is the very first book of the Bible and it's the very first chapter of the Bible. Genesis chapter one, here we go. Now listen, why is it so significant? What does it mean that God, Jesus would say, I am the light of the world? Let's go back to Genesis chapter one. Here it is, starting in verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And then he separated the light from the darkness. Three words. That is described the planet right now at the very beginning of Genesis chapter 1. Your versions may be a little bit different. Here's what mine say. Uh, formless, empty, and dark. Formless, empty, 
dark, formless. There's no, there's no shape. There's no form right now. There's no, there's no, it's just actually some translations, the message paraphrase says there's, there's chaos. There's, a, there's no boundaries. There's nothing to separate sky from the ground, from the water, from the land, the valleys, from the mountains. There's, it's just, it's formless. It's, it's chaos. There's no form. There's no shape. There's no identity. It's empty. There's no life on the planet right now. The world is not created yet to be able to sustain and grow and reproduce life. It's dead. There's nothing on it. And it's dark. It's dark. No light whatsoever. It's just dark. I wonder, formless, empty, dark. I wonder sometimes if we could use some of those words to describe maybe some of our lives or certain areas of our lives where we're formless. We're like Moses in Exodus. We got no identity. We don't, we don't really know who we are. Life is chaotic and it's disorienting because we thought we knew who we were and then this happened and we're not sure anymore. And, and so there's this lack of clarity. There's lack of formation happening on the inside of us. Or it's a certain area. We, because of how we grew up, we, we're a dad, but we don't know how to be a good dad. We, we have no identity in that. We, we came very, very poor and we don't know how to think uh, uh, like differently than, than a poverty mindset. And so there's this, there's this lack of formation in our life, this lack of identity of who we are and how we're to think and how we're to live and how we're to respond and how we're to treat people. It's formless. Maybe it's empty. There's no life in you. There's no life in that area of your life. There's, there's nothing coming out. There's, it's, it's dead. There's, nothing, there's no joy. There's no peace. There's, there's just sorrow and there's chaos and there's, and there's uh, uh, trying to struggle and there's confusion and there's anxiety. And I look at my life. My life doesn't know. I don't see much life in it. Or maybe it's dark. It's dark. There's things in your life you're hiding. You put it in the dark. Things that you have done, things that have been done to you, and nobody knows. So you hide it. It's in the dark. You put it away and no one knows. And so it causes you to live a life that's duplistic where you live one way here in front of your spouse or with somebody else. But in reality, there's something else lingering in the dark because it's just dark. And you sit down sometimes with pastors and they ask you, how are you doing? And, and you let them on the surface problem. You give them the really, ah, you know, this is it. But really it's not this. There's something in here that's in the dark. I wonder if we evaluate our life and let the Holy Spirit right now reveal, is there an area or is it my life in general that is formless? It's empty. It's dark. What does God do when he comes across something that is formless and empty and dark? God's answer to the problem is light. So God said to the world, let there be light. And in that process, what began to happen is it started a process where formation began to happen on the earth. And soon things began to find, find an identity. And the land was separated from the water and the mountains separated from the valleys and the sky was separated from the ground. And soon things began to take shape and form. And then all of a sudden life began to grow in the world. That which was dead now had an avail of the ability to grow and sustain and reproduce life and sustain life and light came into the world and the, and the light pushed back the darkness and there was a clear distinction between that which was light and that what was dark. And God says, let there be light. And now here's God again. Because of sin, it's come upon something else, man's heart, that is formless and empty and dark. And God's response, his solution to the problem is the same as it always has been, light. Only this time, God did not say, let there be light. 
God sent the light. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. So when Jesus says in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. He is saying, I am the one that when I come into your life, I bring identity. I form that which is formless. Things that have been deformed in you, that are chaotic in you, when I come in because I am the light of the world, I bring formation and identity, and you will know who you are, and you will become who I created you to be. And I am the one that brings life to you. That which has been dead, that which has been tried to be killed, I resurrect. And I bring life in that area. I bring life to your marriage. I bring life to your identity. I, bring, I set you free from that addiction. Now there is love in your life. There is joy in your life. There is peace in your life. There is self-control in your life. There is faithfulness and goodness. There is righteousness because I'm the light of the world. And I push back the darkness in your life. And soon I separate that which is light and that is dark. And I lead you into the light, away from the dark. So there is nothing hidden, nothing ashamed of because I am the light of the world. Wow, Jesus. The light of the world? So light me up, bro. What does Jesus say? You got to catch this part. He says, but if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. It's his qualification to get the light. You got to follow Jesus. It just doesn't happen. He said, I'm available. I'm the light of the world. Here, here I am. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Because now you will have the light that leads to life. See, you got to let light in and you got to let light lead. I got to let Jesus into my life. God said, man, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. What is that saying? You are letting light in and saying, God... I have tried to navigate this darkness for a very long time and it is chaotic and it is death and it is dark. I'm going to allow, allow you into my life. And then you got to follow the light. You got to allow God to define that which is light and that is what is dark. See, that's the problem for some of us. You follow Jesus, but you're still not fully letting him tell you, no, this is how you're to live your life. This is what light looks like in your marriage. This is what look like, life looks like when nobody else is watching and this is dark. See, here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the good thing if you think God is just this basic energy thing because basic energy, abstract, can be an amoral thing. There's an issue, though, if you think God is personal and he has a name because now all of a sudden he is not amoral. He is moral and he can define what is right and what is wrong. And so you've got to let light lead. And let light lead says that is dark. Don't do it. That is light. Go this way. Because that's what leads to life. So I've got to let light in. And I've got to let light lead. But I get it. I know. That's kind of scary. Especially if I've got some stuff happening in the dark. Because how is God going to respond when he comes into my heart and he sees all the stuff that I'm hiding in the dark, all the things that have been done to me, all the things that I have done, all the things I struggle with God, how will God respond to that? Come back with me to John chapter eight. John chapter eight, right before Jesus makes this statement, I am the light of the world. In the same way in creation, it started with light and a genesis took place in the world. A genesis can take place in your life, but it starts with light. Right before that, I want to read you a, a moment Jesus has with a woman. 8, chapter 8, verse 1 says this. Jesus returned to the mountain of olives. But early the next morning, he was back again teaching at the temple. 
And a crowd soon gathered around and he sat down and he taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman right here has been caught in the act of adultery. That means they caught her red-handed. It was dark. It was in the darkness. They caught her, which pretty much means they set a trap for her. What do you say to the law? Moses says to Stoner, what do you say? Right? Because this is what we're asking, right? God, I get caught. God, it gets exposed. What are you going to do? And they were trying to trap him into saying something that he could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. And they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Just so we're clear, the only one that could have thrown a stone was Jesus. Because he's the only person on this planet that could ever throw a stone because he was perfect. He was all man, he was God, but he never sinned. He said, okay, the first one, he's never sinned. Go ahead, chuck it at her. Then he stooped down again, he wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one. Beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left. Feel this, feel this. Because that's where you are right now. It's you and Jesus. So all these people around him now, but now it's just her and Jesus. Here it is. This is you right now. Your dark spot. What if I got exposed right now? And it's you and Jesus. Nobody else. You're in a crowd of people. There's people around her right now, but right now it's her and Jesus. This is where it is for you right now. What is it? What's the dark thing? It gets exposed. It's you and Jesus. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Here's how she responded. You got to catch this. This is so good. She said, no, Lord. When the Pharisees approached Jesus, they called him teacher. When she refers to Jesus, she calls him Lord. Jesus did not expose her sin in that moment. Her accusers did. So light was shined on it by somebody else. So it exposed it. But the fact that she called him Lord means she's letting light into her life. Some of you, you've had things exposed in your life and it wasn't God. It was something else that exposed it. Because that's what the devil does. He gets you to hide stuff in the dark and then he accuses you. You know, they, they said they called her their accusers, right? They actually called the devil. He's the accuser of the brethren. So he gets you, put it in the dark and he tells you you're a horrible person for doing it. So some of you, you've had it exposed, but you didn't let light in. See, this woman right here, right now, she lets light in. She calls him Lord. So what does Jesus say? He says, then neither do I. Go and sin no more. So he says, I forgive you. And I'm not going to judge you, but don't do it anymore. And right after he says this, he says the phrase, I'm the light of the world. She just got freed from darkness. So don't stay there, young lady. You got to follow me now. So I forgive you because that's what salvation is. He forgives us. 
right? He, he doesn't put judgment. There's not judgment on your sin because God put all the judgment in the world on Jesus Christ when he was on the cross. So my sin has been paid for. So I allow God to become the Lord of my life and I begin to follow him. And now though, here's the thing now, I got to let love lead. So that's what Jesus, see, God doesn't just wink at your sin. He doesn't say, okay, it's okay. Just hang out in the dog. It'll be all right. Just keep asking forgiveness. He's like, no, no, no. See, that is sin. And that's why God hates sin because sin is darkness. You weren't made to live in darkness because darkness is chaos. Darkness is deformation. Darkness is death. Darkness is confusion. So you've got to follow Jesus. He's the light of the world and he leads you into the path of light. And even when things have to be exposed and it's a little bit hard and difficult, you experience the love of Jesus Christ. And he goes, I love you so much. I'm not going to leave you in the darkness. Follow me. And ask the worship team to come up and Some of us, what our decision needs to be for the first time, we have to let <clears throat> light in. For some of you, there may be a moment where you gotta confess a couple things to a couple people. That's okay. Just expose it. It ain't worth living in the dark. I'm telling you, it ain't worth it. The devil tries to convince you that it's okay and, and that, what, that what if this person responds this way? What if they leave me? What if they say this? What if they, it, look, 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 it's dark. You know what's on the other side? It's light. You know what's on the other side? It's forgiveness. You know the other side? It's a way out. You know what's on the other side? It's life. It's life. Because Jesus is the light that leads to life. It's freedom. It's restoration. It's a genesis process in your life. It's a formation of who you are. It's like coming into the identity of who God made you to be. It's life coming out of that area that was hidden. It's a beautiful thing. God uses that as part of your story and your testimony. And so it no longer becomes something you are ashamed of. It becomes a part of how, what Jesus delivered you out of. And there's a reason why so many people can stand on a stage and say, hey, look, I used to deal with this and this is what I struggle with. But now what, look, Jesus did. You go, man, I can't believe they would say that. Why? Because they were in darkness, but now they're in light. And they're not ashamed of it anymore because they know what, it, what comes on the other side is forgiveness. It's the way out. What's the air of your life that's dark? Let light in. Let light lead. Jesus is the light of the world. And I need that light. And when I invite it in, it lights my path. And now all of a sudden, I'm what the Bible says, is I'm a child of light. Now all of a sudden, now I carry that light with me. And I go into the dark places of my life for the world, in my community and in my city and in my family. And I bring that light with me. And that light shines and lights up the darkness. Here you have to understand this. There is no great cosmic battle between light and dark. There is no battle at all. Where light comes, darkness goes. There's no if, oh my God, I hope that the light that's on the inside of me somehow cosmically will battle the deep. No, no, no. Light, darkness only exists where light is not. So you might be the only person in your family, young person. We have people who go to our city youth group and they're the only people that go to church. Mom and dad do not go. You go with that light to your family and you know that light shines bright. How does that light live by the way I live my life? Because how you live in the light looks completely different from people who I live in dark. You will stand out if you live and you follow Jesus. And the way you speak and the way you treat people will be light and people will see something different and there'll be a distinction between you that they are children of light. 
and you push back the darkness. That's what we're called to be. Not just to have light here, but to go out there into the world, into darkness, and introduce them to the light so that we might say, Jesus, the light of the world comes. Will you stand with me this morning? I, I um, If you don't mind, maybe even close your eyes. If you can afford to, please don't bounce out just yet because these are the moments right here. <clears throat> We're gonna linger for a sec. Let's close your eyes. And, and the only reason why I ask you to close your eyes, for no other reason outside of like... And you're with us online. Close your eyes too. Helps you focus. I'm going to offer two invitations. The first one is simply this. Some of us in this room, you, the first thing you need to do is you need to let light in. You need to do what that woman did and confess Jesus as Lord. You know what's really crazy in John chapter, uh, John chapter 9? After Jesus does this whole thing about I am the light of the world, the next, in John chapter 9, it's the next recorded miracle that Jesus does. What was it? He encountered a blind guy who was blind from birth and he made him see. And that's what sin does. When you were born, you were born with a sin nature. And it blinded you to see God for who he really was. So Jesus came to the earth that you might experience a miracle of sight. And you might see Jesus for who he is, which is Lord the light of the world. And when you let him in, he comes and does what we talked about. And so this morning, before I, I go any further, if you're in this room and you need to let the light in, you were born blind and now Jesus is here about to do a miracle in your life and you're gonna be able to see God for who he is. That means you're gonna be able to see who you are and you begin to see what life looks like with Jesus. So I'm gonna ask you on the count of three, here's what I wanna do. I just wanna know who's gonna be praying this prayer with me. So in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand so I know. So on the count of three, if that is you, I want you to raise your hand so I know I'm praying for one. Listen, I was blind, but I want to see, and I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Two, I want light to come in and illuminate my life. I don't want to live in darkness anymore. I want to live in life. Three, will you raise your hand for me real quick? Anybody in this room? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you raised your hand, just will you repeat this prayer after me? I don't have everybody in the room do it. Two reasons why. One, I want you to know that you're not alone in this journey. I want you to know when you, you begin to walk in the light, it's with a lot of people. But also all I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you words to speak. And there's nothing so special about the words. I'm simply gonna put words to what you're feeling on the inside. So everybody in here, can you help repeat this prayer with these amazing people who raise their hands? Say, thank you, God, for Jesus. I believe that he is your son. Father, forgive me of my sin. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let me pray for you. We're worshiping. And as I, we worship, let light lead. Let him light up the area of your life that needs light. No more darkness. No more shame. No more guilt. No more accusations. No condemnation. Come on, God's going to give some of you courage and boldness to tell some people some things you need to tell them. God's gonna give you, gonna show you, begin to show you, make a clear distinction what has been light in your life and what has been dark in your life. And you're no longer just gonna be able to see it, you're gonna have a conviction and a grace to do it. Because that's what God does. Come on right now, Father, here we are. Father, we let light in. Jesus, you are the light of the world. 
light up our lives right now in Jesus' name. Light up the darkness. God, that which is dark, expose it. That which is dark, God, right now, I pray you would expose and light up. Father, I pray that right now in this moment, the people in this room and online, they would feel love. They would feel forgiveness. God, they would feel guilt and shame being broken off of them in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray a Genesis process that would happen in people's lives right now. I speak formation that is happening, identity that is given, dreams and visions that are becoming clear. I speak life into these people right now. I speak life into us. Father God, life into our marriages, life into our families, life into our hopes, life into our dreams, addictions broken off of us in the name of Jesus. And I speak life in Jesus' name, life that lights up the darkness right now. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.